I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Thanks to Bombfell for supporting FilmSack. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps find the right clothes for you. Get $25 off your first purchase at bombfell.com slash filmsack. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash filmsack. EWA 517, do you want to report a UFO? Over. Negative. We don't want to report. Ares 31, do you wish to report a UFO? Over. Negative. We want to report one of those either. Uh, Ares 31, do you wish to file a report of any kind? Over. I wouldn't know what kind of report to file, sir. Uh, Ares 31, uh, me neither. I'll try to track traffic to destination. Over. mattress you've got to destroy that mattress this is film sack oh sure Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Film Sack. This is Film Sack, mining the very depths of film entertainment for all mankind. Episode 400. 400. We celebrate today by doing a regular episode of the show. Uh, my name is Scott Johnson. Joining me today, Brian, there's a dead fly in my potatoes. Dunaway. There's too many potatoes. It's killing the flies. Mm. Greetings, earthlings. We are here for the Shark Slayer. The one your people call Dreyfus. Ah, uh, there he is now. Good, good. He received our mind mail. There were concerns about compatibility. We discussed sending a DM via social media, but that is still decades or more away. Spoiler, it changes everything. With great power comes great responsibility. Hashtag Excelsior. Anywho, the ladies up here have authorized me to offer you a trade for these 100 totally not Shark Slayers for your one Dreyfus. Shark Slayer 100%. Excellent. Ah, it would appear the trade has pleased the Dreyfus. So suck it. And thank you, people for, of Earth, for your sacrifice. The universe will love you long time. Am I saying that correctly? <laughs> ha! Now to space, where we'll engage the great space shark in a battle we will call Jaws X. Little title, Dreyfus in space. Oh, wait. Almost forgot. Dreyfus, would you like to say goodbye to anyone? No? Perhaps your wife and kids? No. No? No. You sure? Damn, you one cold-hearted shark slayer. What's that, Dreyfus? Shider slayed the shark. You just poked it with a stick. 
Well, we got what we got. Yeah. Someone give this human a stick <laughs> to space. <laughs> He's going to need a new ship, he'd say. Right. Pilot, play that funky beat. Uh, very play nice. It. Oh, wait, is there more? Is that no, that's it? It. Oh, okay. Well done. That was good. <laughs> uh, also with us. Are you, are you tired now? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> Everything's good. I'm exhausted. Uh, We have Randy. Don't mind me. Just going to shovel a load of dirt into the kitchen window, Jordan. (laughs) A-L-O-H-A. 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 My friends. My friends. Brian Dunaway. Brian Ibbett. Scott Johnson. Mm. Thank you for 400 episodes. Thank you for the last nine years. Thank you for taking me into your spaceship of fun and giving all the people out there half-face burns. Sick half-face burns. I know, I know. You're feeling the last nine years, and you're getting old. But look at me. I haven't aged a day. Hmm. That's amazing. It's true. You're beautiful. Walked off that ship. The remix. Oh, my gosh. Close Encounters of the Nerd Kind. Uh, hey, here's the final thing here. Brian, your truck has too much shud in it. Ibit. God, no kidding. Clean that truck. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we figured out that close encounters of the first kind is when you see a UFO. Right. Uh, close encounters of the second kind is if you experience an event caused by, caused by the UFO, like mm-hmm. noise, rattling, shaking, whatever, mailboxes going, chung, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, third kind, of course, is seeing the actual alien in there. And there have been extensions of that list. For example, the fourth kind is being abducted. The fifth kind is having some form of communication with an alien. Um, in recent years, they've added to the list. For example, close encounters of the sixth kind is getting a text or an email from an alien within three days of abduction, <laughs> saying they had a good time and they'd like to ad- uh, abduct you again. <laughs> close encounters of the seventh kind is a late night text from the alien, which sim- simply says, hey, you up? And leads to get another <laughs> anal probe booty call. Great. Oh. And then uh, Close Encounters of the Eighth Kind is them wanting to meet you at a public place like a Starbucks so they can tell you that they never want to abduct you again. And you won't make a scene because it's a public place. You just cry into your half-calf double whip extra hot grande pumpkin spice latte. Wow. Don't worry. It's not you. It's them. Oh, my gosh. Is, is there a limit to the Eighth Kind? Because I've been there twice this yeah. week. <laughs> Two times this week. And what would Close Encounters of the Rule 34 kind? Oh, we don't want to know. We don't want to oh, know. It's geez. too close of an encounter. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a video. Probably. <laughs> probably. In fact, there's probably a porn parody of this film, as far That's as we know. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, my gosh. got to be. Well, uh, the movie is Close Encounters Closeless of the Third Kind. Closeless Encounters. Of yes, the, there you yeah. go. Closeless Turd Encounters. Kind. Turd Kind. Ooh, wait. That kind of movie is I don't <laughs> want that movie. The yeah. Cleveland Steamer Spaceship Edition. Great. Yeah. Great. Uh, this is a movie. It's an old one, and it's one that has uh, a, a long history of uh, people admiring it and ripping it off and making things in their movies that are kind of similar in some ways and kind of a big deal for Steven Spielberg, I think, in his career because it yeah. was him saying, all right, I don't just make scary shark movies, everybody. I make I make <laughs> other stuff that's like kind of feel-good, weird, spacey kind of stuff. And he'd go on to do E.T. not long after this. And uh, uh, it's probably the only other one that's truly in the in the space right. stuff would be what AI. I can't think of anything yeah, else. Right, right. Oh yeah, uh, Minority Report. How can you not forget? Well, that, that but well, that it's was not a really space. It's just future, right? Future. Yeah, I yeah. Like space. It's also based on batteries not like there's no oxygen. Your, your aliens. Yeah, but he didn't direct right. that. We always can forget no, that. Produced he didn't it. That. Oh, he, he just produced it. it. That's yeah. right. It's all. Yeah. Don't worry. Everyone on this planet thinks he directed that movie. <laughs> yeah. 
You're he actually wrong. gets royalties because of some yeah. some uh, <laughs> some loophole glitch in the system hey, you know, says that he should get money. You say, you say that, and you know he he does do production, but he's not a hands off producer kind of guy. So uh, sure. he definitely he definitely has a big influence. He on may the have. On, I mean, who knows on that one though? By yeah. then he 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 you know he was sleeping in money. I don't know if he needed to worry about sleeping getting up early money. and <laughs> get down there make sure well, this money is uncomfortable. Yeah, I is do there like a theory out there that the shark from Jaws is actually an alien. Whoa. Yeah, sure. Why not? I, I I really like the idea. I really like the idea of putting all of his directed movies into the same universe. Mm. But it gets real hard when you have this same person. You know, like the this right. Richard Dreyfus in those two very different movies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that get that gets hard. But when you when you get away from that, things like Lincoln, Indiana Jones movies, it's great. They all fit together. Okay, quick quick <laughs> trivia: Who can answer me the fastest? What's the third movie Richard Dreyfus was in, directed by Steven Spielberg? Go. Oh, interesting. Uh, that's a good question. We've talked about it before. We've never seen it here, but we've talked about it. And I'll, I'll give you a hint. Mr. Holland Opus. No, it's not that. Uh, Bridge, Bridge of Spies? Nope. It's uh, more less recent, uh, but newer than the than uh, the old stuff. Newer yeah, than this thing, uh, obviously. Wow. wow. Uh, John, was, it, was, it just, was it just a cameo? Nope. <clears throat> Big role. Uh, John really? Goodman. Oh, then, then it had to be Trippendorf's. Uh, no, tribe. Nope. What is that? It was uh, Trippendorf's tribe. What the hell are you talking <laughs> what about? It? What was it? Trippendorf's Trip- 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 tribe. Trippendorf's Trip- tribe. Wasn't that, that tribe wasn't thing that. that he did where he got half naked? It had John. It had John Goodman in it. It had uh, Holly Hunter in it. And, huh. and, and and no, nothing. Oh man, I'm no. surprised. The movie is called Always. You remember the airplane? Oh, of course. <laughs> he was like a well, ghost. He dies in, a... in the first two minutes of the film. Yeah, but he's in the rest of it. He's like it's I like know, ghost. I know. <laughs> it's like I ghost forgot for... about that. I forgot that was a, a Spielberg yeah. joint. Yeah, it was a Spielberg, smaller, kind of Spiel- a small, Spielberg. quiet Spielberg movie. Spielberg. Yeah, and yeah. we really it. it I, I found it really, really hard to not just think of only Steven Spielberg while while watching this film. Like he is so like singular in in terms of both writing and directing and deciding every little decision you know mm-hmm. like you you really just can't you can't assign any of it to anyone else mm-hmm. and and that's i mean that's something that still happens all the time right we see these filmmakers who are very singular and they make they make the whole movie mm-hmm. but it like looking at something this big and expansive like it's like you you almost forget that john williams scored the music You're like oh wow steven spielberg made a great musical decision there you know that mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah and, and Which... john williams made it very difficult to pick the best soundtrack doing this movie and star wars so close together it's oh like, my Stop gosh it! it's really yeah. good the soundtrack in this thing is really amazing good. yeah it's one of my favorites um real, really quick back to always did that come out before or after ghost uh oh, I don't know. It feels like uh right around the same time in my head. It but feels like, like it, yeah. feels like yeah. it came out the same year as Crocodile Dundee. Did could, it could did have it been do that for some reason? Could have been. It was definitely yeah. what it, I'll tell you. What it felt like. It felt like a uh like he when he did Amazing Stories on TV. I feel oh, like it was yeah. one that they just couldn't get in. They're like, ah, oh, we can't squeeze this one in. Sorry, Stephen. The the can't the season's done and we're canceled. All right, well, I'll make a movie called Always, and it'll well, be that. Yeah, I mean, it, it or or it was uh, certainly believable that it was it was a story that they originally planned for Amazing Stories. Said, oh no, this is way much. We could make such a much bigger thing out of this, yeah. a two hour right. thing. Yeah, it's definitely that gimmick, though, right? Like it's like here's this yeah. guy he dies in a plane crash. Now he's alive for the rest of the movie, and no one else can see him or however it worked. I don't remember how the movie right. went. Don't forget, you can watch uh, the Amazing Stories on NBC.com uh, oh, for free right that's now. That's fantastic. Oh, cool. 20, 22 episodes. It was on Netflix nice. for a while, and that's not there anymore. It was. Nope. Uh, was all right. Fun. If you do, By the way, if you do that, the one you want to watch is also airplane-related. It's a, the cartoonist oh, in the belly yeah. of the plane. Yeah, that one was really good. So really, good. all of them are really great. Uh, Ghost Train, the first one, was really good as yeah. well. 
the and mission, I think, is the one you're thinking about. That thing changed my that. life, like literally changed yeah. my course of my life. That movie, yeah, or that that it's short, amazing. whatever that was, oh, whatever the magic was there. I just that's story. when I decided I was going to draw for the rest of my life. And here's the other thing: the <clears throat> that cast included Kiefer Sutherland, who we just saw in Young mm-hmm. Guns. Uh, uh, the the captain on that thing was freaking. Um, oh my gosh, Waterworld! Uh, help me, help me. Uh, Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner was the captain. Help me, help me. And there were like two or three other dudes in there. Just like, oh my gosh, these guys are about to have these like huge career shifts. And they're all in this <laughs> little short. Nesco. You know what's funny is um, I always confuse the cast of this with the cast of Memphis Bell because that was another ah. movie <laughs> yeah. where the the gunner was trapped in the bulb at the bottom right. of the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right. Had a big popular cast and uh, never, you know, what, never you know, saw this, that. This movie, uh, Close Encounters, confused its own cast with nothing. I was shocked at the beginning of the film when it tells you that it stars R- Richard Dreyfus and Francois Truffaut, and you're like, and that's it? Yeah, Wait, right. what? Pretty that's much that's so, your cast. That's the yeah. whole cast? Because <clears throat> that, that honestly, guy's, that guy's I felt f- like Terry Gar, Melinda Dillon, and Bob Balaban were very important. You I, know? I agree. Sure. 100% agree. And also, just, okay, two things about the people you just mentioned. Uh, Terry Gar still worthy of a 2018 crush. She's amazing. I freaking love, love her. her. She was. Yes. Yeah. I had the biggest yeah. crush on her and everything she was ever in. And I this was her. this was peak form Terry Gar. Like this was yeah. the most crushable. Oh, <laughs> Terry yeah. Gar. The most, the most crushable worthy. But no, but yeah. she also wanted to she she actually wanted to play the character uh, that she the other that lady he was not running away from yeah he, he wanted to play the, the, the Dillion. the melinda dillion i can see that she was melinda dillion's character was or she was nominated for a best supporting actress role for that and i think she was pretty damn right. good i yeah. actually think and the I, weakest and i made the mistake of saying dillion it is just dillion is yes, it dillion i always say dillion too is it dillion i know melinda dillion okay melinda dillion melinda dillion but she uh, she was she was quite good. Um, I think the weakest the weakest performance. I'm not saying he's a bad actor, but I think the weakest performance is probably Dreyfus's. I think he's a little over the top in this thing. I I actually I I actually like that. I liked that Richard Dreyfus was so messed up. And Richard Dreyfus will tell you uh, in, in his initial viewing of the film that he was not pleased with his performance. But I I actually liked it. I I thought it was a man obsessed. Richard Dreyfuss. And that is the that thing. He well. has to kind of play it over the top to make it believable that he's being kind of controlled by an unseen force, right? right he has right. to. Uh, Didn't it feel like he, like he got the whole email? He got he got the whole email except the subject line. That's how it always felt right. to me. Like he got the whole email and said, hey, it's a big structure. Make it out of potatoes and then try to do it out of shit in your house and then try to make it out of whatever. Make it out of Why mud. Why do you have to do it inside? He could have done that outside. He could have done it anywhere. Yes, but the exactly. point is, like, he got the email and he went to town. And if he just would have paid attention to the subject line, he would have said, oh, right. it has like a cut off flat top. And now right, we're done. Right. Like that was his big hang up. It was like something glitched in the matrix for him. It's a very odd right. thing. And if you don't, if you think about it too hard, the that stuff's kind of broken. Like, why could she, the the lady with the sun, she gets mm-hmm. flashed with the light. And so what does she do? Makes lovely, lovely drawings of it. Drawings, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're a sculptor, uh, I guess Richard Dreyfus wasn't really a sculptor either, but he could make right. a pile of shit. Yeah. And then he, <laughs> Richard, it's a pile of potatoes or a pile of. Uh, at one point, uh, I mean, it's, at, at any point, Richard Dreyfus just needs to see a lump of something and then he becomes right. transfixed so and he starts that, scooping poo out of a public toilet and making right. a mountain out of it. Like. His he so has he the got, worst version of this. It's terrible. He for got him. Well, he also got the the greatest amount of exposure. He was already a dreamer, right? Because they've kind of established that yeah. from the beginning. So I I, I didn't I, I still buy it. I mm. want to jump back to something. Um, uh, you may not have known Terry Gar uh retired in 2011. Yeah. Mm. 
and uh, and and uh, you know went it went really really private. She was always a fairly private person. Mm-hmm. Uh, always always uh, uh, refused to a- answer like pu- uh, really you know uh, uh, intimate questions about herself and this kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. All the way up to and including how old she is. Her actual birth date uh, it has been unknown. Hmm. Uh, you know publicly there are. There are records that people claim to have unearthed about her birth date, but uh, those records disagree with each other. And, uh, you know, she will probably die managing to keep the world from knowing precisely. That's how because she's never, that's because she's never going to die. And uh, uh, she's, she's always existed. And so it's, uh, really, that's why. it's really remarkable when you when you look back through her Wikipedia edits, which I did for no reason. Uh, as you go back, different, different people, different people throw in different sources for her birthday. They all huh. agree she was born on December 11th, but the range jumps around between 1944 and 1949. Mm. And oh, people wow. just so five-year huh. Yeah, they really don't know. So it's it's assumed that she is 73. It's assumed that when she made this film, she was about 32. But she has done a tremendous Smart. job of never letting the world That's know amazing, how old she is. Because you think it's, that like uh, something something would leak out at some point where she right. where that would come out. Mm-hmm. But it's smart because she's from old Hollywood and age was a big factor. Uh, I said. don't know about old Hollywood. I'd call her. I I mean, what do you Middle mean by Hollywood? Old, what do you mean by old Hollywood? Hollywood? I mean, old Hollywood would be like your Humphrey Bogart and your okay. Yeah, I wouldn't, even, and, yeah. I, I wouldn't even say Mel Brooks is from old Hollywood. He's influenced yeah. by it, right? right? But you know, he's he's, well, uh, he's in his nineties <laughs> and he's not. And he's old responsible Hollywood. for one of her best roles too, which was uh, Young Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah she was great Frankenstein. So good. She was really good in that. But she just I don't know something about her. She's got some. She's got innocent, some. Yeah. Right, uh, sweetness to her, like it's it's Goldie Hawn without the the bimbo, yeah, or the, the <laughs> or the complete well, brainlessness of. of uh, I, I want to bring character. it around in a circle here. This film not only didn't know that it had these people in it, like Terry Gar, but it it felt to me like the film didn't really care. Like they, they, these are characters that I really wanted just a little more development around, and I didn't mm-hmm. get it. Like imagine. Imagine what it would actually do to a person to have their toddler constantly running away (laughs) and then ultimately disappear. Like, that's a really interesting thing that I just felt like I didn't get a lot of. No, there was my my other opening was going to be something like Close Encounters, the story of a boy named Barry who desperately wants to get away from his mother. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to do the like, same thing, except it was about uh, Dreyfus's character, who just Roy just really wanted to get away from his family because that's what it is about the end. Because uh, it, there's no question, chicken the bucket. Oh my gosh, the entire family, big old chicken yeah. the bucket, man. Right. They're like a big old KFC twelve piece style. Uh, yep. yep. Chicken the bucket. Well, and and that home with the kids and their home life reminded yeah. me of why I didn't like ET, mm. and it it was like. I, I realized I recognized Steven Spielberg's pretty good at this. Like this feels very realistic. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't you know, I just didn't like that that like frantic constant thing where all the kids are banging around and always into pranks and stuff. Because you've only times. got one like, kid. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, it, I think just Scott could probably speak to the fact that if you've got three young kids, those you know, it's kids like uh, I mean, I, I actually kinda age. like it because there's an energy to it and I respond yeah. to it in a positive way. Like when I watching this I was like, yeah, this is how this is how this can be, and the, and the, and it has this effect of like, make you know, this is not the time of your lives to own a decent piece of furniture, and this is not the time of your life to have a good TV because <laughs> the kids are going to put pop tarts in the VCR, they're going to do weird right. stuff like that, and and I 
I have nothing but fond feelings for that time, for that era of raising three similarly sure. aged kids. And so for me, I see this and I, and it's nothing but positive, but I totally get it. I totally yeah. get how this looks like chaos to anybody else and I don't blame them. Well, and uh, it, it just, it just looks like a very, very particular cultural slice that, uh, now nowadays through my 2018 eyes i look i look at and go eh, it's not very accessible like like this like when you uh, and i hate to jump all the way to the end of the movie but uh it's really really weird to me at the end of the movie you have all these humans standing around mm -hmm. yeah. and they're all different shapes and sizes yeah. and the aliens come out and they're all exactly <laughs> the same and i'm just like man spielberg get some imagination buddy well they had the one what what'd you say inbreeding oh inbreeding nice yeah, but i know that they were the uh the one the one that came out with those spindly arms or whatever oh, yeah yeah i don't know what the deal there is and that's part of what i like about the movies it doesn't well, explain was any king. of that there was, a little, there was a little actually there's a more practical answer to why that one is different is uh they had so much footage to edit from the uh from the end of the film and they had decided to go one way with most of the aliens mm -hmm. uh but they had tried puppets at one point in time and right. so uh, they had filmed, they had filmed some puppetry, and that's where the, that's where the spindly came along. But they didn't think it really worked well. But they still, they thought it was, it, it still needed. They to be worked hard enough that at least wanted to use the one. Right, right. <laughs> so did. that's the reason why it feels just. It would have been so good if all the aliens came out and they were that kind of weird spider limb kind of looking. Yeah, and that's what you probably it, see today, probably. Somebody if you're would. like, if you're a, a advanced species that can master uh, space travel and and all that stuff, and being able to zip down the highways going. You know, ninety miles an hour. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you come up with an uh, a um, a way out of your spaceship that doesn't require you basically to Shut get down on your hands and yeah. knees yeah. to crawl mm -hmm. out? Of yeah, yeah. There's some there's some practicality stuff there. But one of the things I like about the movie, and I have always liked, and I even liked in this reviewing, is this sense that whether they were decided on for practical reasons or whatever the reasons they decided on, whatever ended up in the final footage, it all feels a little weird and hard to explain. And I like yeah, that. Yes. I like that. I like that in a movie where they're not afraid to not explain everything to me. They don't need to. These are very and, different. Uh, you know, clearly these are different cultures, different universes, really. And you've got no need to 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 make them too relatable. And and Spielberg is actually, I think, one of his faults in a lot of movies after this fails on that point he 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 makes it too relatable that by the end and it's like okay we get it you want to touch our heartstrings and and whatever in this movie i feel like he held back a bit and just left it up to us to figure it out and whether that was intentional or not i don't know but i but i did appreciate you, it did you guys did everybody watch this on netflix yeah yes there's a i this. did not did did what yeah, did, so they show, also, did they show did they show the inside the space the special no it's not the special edition which is a bummer okay. because uh i was really hoping it was the special edition i i remember seeing that once right i persuaded my dad to go sit through this movie a second time because they had re-released the special edition which was which you know it, you you don't think of that in this day and age with john cameron releasing 48 different versions of terminator 2 the special right. edition was released in theaters four or five months after the the regular theatrical the right. first theatrical release right and so everybody had to go back to the theater <laughs> yeah. to go oh, watch the same movie again just to see the extra <laughs> scenes yeah. And uh, it was a whole different time for stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And it, and tell me the difference. It was just uh, some in, interior shots of the ship. Yeah. So, Richard Dreyfus walks time. around the, insert, the inside of the ship for a little bit. Um, was the, so it's then, funny because something said that there was the ship in the desert. Wasn't the ship in the desert 
Did did I miss the ship in the desert in the in the um the version that we watched? There wasn't a ship in the no, desert. No, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't. Okay. Yeah. It was just the planes. Right. Yeah. The the airplanes that were there so, that were untouched or whatever the deal was. Yeah. They weren't real clear about that either. But again, I don't know. Something so, something about that I so, appreciate. But uh yeah, so multiple versions. The one uh the and and the reason why we're like which which did we see is because uh they they eventually started putting out multiple versions in the same issue like the laser disc issue had two different versions of the film hmm. the you know they they made this whole special edition for the 20th anniversary which i guess would have been 97 mm-hmm. and and so on but ultimately in 2001 he was like, all right, I finally reached a point in my life where I understand what I want to be the final cut. And he made a final cut. He got rid of the a lot of the extra scenes that he had added back over the years. And that included seeing the interior of the ship, which he felt was too oh. revelatory. That included the thing in the Gobi Desert, which he felt was uh, was too much. It was banging you over the head with what was going to happen. And he wanted the, the film to be a lot more mysterious as it, as it builds. Um, I, I was just like... Uh, I wanted to ask you, Scott, like, uh, it's real easy to forgive this film for desperately needing an editor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, why am I forg- so forgiving of this film? I couldn't figure it out because I, know like, I just saw Crimes of Grindelwald last night and it was like a later uh, J.K. Rowling book. Mm. It was desperately needed an editor so bad. There were 30 minutes of stuff in that film that was just like such a drag mm. and I'm, I can't forgive it. I'm, I'm like crimes of Grindelwald, bad movie, too long, too much extra junk that doesn't do anything for me. And this film, I'm like, I'm riveted by the air traffic control scene. <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's, that's because Spielberg has an, has the ability to create a vision that engages you. I guess it's so. Just, yeah. I mean, Nick, Nick like, saw that movie last night too, by the way, my 18 year old, he came home and said the exact freaking thing. He says really? to me, he says, did he say it, his did word, he say it in a Randy voice? No, no, but his words to me were, dad, oh. there's like 30 minutes of that movie that didn't need to be there. And I just thought, oh, oh wow. So when Randy said that, I was like, oh my gosh, he, he's, he's right on, on point there. But, but, uh, I didn't see it because I'd coughed all my way through it. And so I sold my By ticket the way, to somebody else. I made the mistake say, of saying that the special edition came out four or five months after it was actually three years. It came out in 1980. I thought I could have sworn it was, it was really close to oh, the regular, weird. uh, I would have thought you was right too. But here, it felt like, yeah. because maybe he went back really and reshot. Like it was close. Yeah. He reshot pretty quick after because they, he wanted to edit it. Once they figured out it was doing well, mm-hmm. he wanted to go back and do it like he wanted. And the studio said, yeah, but. You got to do the spaceship on the inside. Yeah, that's bef- like, that's uh, before he fly. he back before he, you know, he could make all the calls. He can do that now, but back then, right. even then, he was still you know he's, two he movies. He single handedly almost sunk the studio and <laughs> the then stayed and then saved their bacon. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, he's he was that guy. But to address Randy's point, um, Spielberg for all his other qualities or things you like or don't like about him, he can do he can do a uh, drawn out and make it seem worth it. Like he can somehow take all of that extra time because this is a long movie uh, and not have you at the end of it go, man, that was too long or you should have cut this or cut that. It, it never really quite feels that way. Now you, you could argue, I know there, you know, there are, exa- there are examples like crystal skull where the whole thing feels like it shouldn't exist. And, and there's, you know, <laughs> there's, there's obviously there's right. going to be outliers, but, but I agree with that. And I think that his protégés. People like J.J. Abrams, uh, Denise Villeneuve, however you say his name, mm-hmm. those kind of directors 
share some of that and that's why their movies don't feel over long to me even though mm-hmm. they if you're looking at the clock they are um specifically I, I wanted to mention the connection here that i have between this movie and why i think i love villanue's work so much it is very similar like i would argue arrival mm-hmm. arrival yeah. is is almost a re, not remake but an attempt to say hey i'm going to kind of do what you did with close encounters but i'm gonna do it my own way and I think that's what Correct. Arrival is. Arrival's amazing. Is it the Arrival well, or Arrival? It's just Arrival, I think. And I'd even throw... Uh, hmm. I'd even, yeah, there are two different movies. I'd even throw uh, Quaron uh, into this as well, because I feel like Gravity could have just as easily been a Spielberg. Oh, well, yeah. Then, good, just imagine good point. if yeah. this movie had a title. Uh, a, a, the name of the film was something like Contact or Gravity. Mm-hmm. Like... Because let's face it, this is this is a badly named movie. It doesn't it, the name it really does is. not at all lead you to anything about the film that's artistic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just want to also bring up um, Chris Columbus. Man, he is the oh, sure. the protege of proteges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good example as well. But I love Duffer <clears throat> Brothers. I love uh, that. I love that those guys uh, and gals have all sort of figured out a way to carry that piece of the Spielberg thing forward, even if they know they don't know they're doing it. Like it's a, it's kind of a, um, and, and I'm sure you could look back at directors before Spielberg, even those that inspired him. He always talks about Lawrence of Arabia being the greatest film ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, you could probably look at that and find all kinds of Spielbergisms that he carried forward. So I'm sure that that's, that's always true. People iterate, but, but if he's got one gift, he's left filmmaking. It's this, it's that approach and their ability to take, whatever time is necessary to tell the story. Whereas lesser directors, lesser storytellers, and certainly lesser editors can't figure out a way to do it. And they make two hour movies feel like three. Yeah. And, and that's unfortunate. And I love that about this movie. This movie did never feel over long to me. We sat, I watched it with my daughter. She loved it. We had a great time. I mean, it's, it's not perfect. This is an old ass movie mm-hmm. and there's some issues, I, but yeah, I felt like it was, it was, there were definitely, uh, things that should have been should have been cut out out of almost every scene like right they were cut out out of of almost every scene give us a little bit more setup on the characters but maybe we don't need to spend so much time walking around the desert before you know the 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 people chanting finally say oh the sounds came from up there and uh uh give us a little bit more explanation about the why the hand gestures are important you know the the sign language uh, translation of the tones and things like that I really liked the expansiveness of of the film from the start, and I actually wish there had been more of that. I wish there was more exotic locales where aliens were visiting barely. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, ultimately we end up spending a lot of time in Muncie, Indiana, which is a you know that's a, like a real Hollywood Hollywood centric way of of doing things, right? The rest of the world is experiencing this now. Let's come to this you know mundane American place, and that's where we're gonna go from well, that's there where, but... that's where the rubber meets the road i mean i i like expansive you know ideas and shots but to really relate yeah. i have to be there otherwise you're just watching id4 well and carter made a really interesting point i'm glad you brought that up we're watching it and it's the scene uh you know they've got this big facility set up right behind the mountain there now and they've got all these plans to meet the aliens and they're and they're communicating with this music and they don't really explain how they got from a to z very well like how did they know to even be ready there? Like, you know what? Spielberg is no stranger to tropes. Yeah. He ain't no yeah. stranger to tropes. And he, this guy, 
<laughs> this guy loves some Hollywood geography. That's the name of that trope. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's literally a shot of Dreyfus driving around in the dark, lost early on in the film in mm-hmm. Indiana, and you can see palm trees. And it's like, oh, really? Does Spielberg don't care. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. you don't care. Spielberg don't care. But here's the thing <clears throat> we're watching that scene, and she leans to me and she goes, You know what I like about this? I said, What? She goes, If this was just the government and scientists responding to this thing that they don't know if is a threat or a friendly attempt to communicate, this would be a boring movie. And I said, well, why isn't it? She says, because they just long enough spend time with those guys. And then now we're back in the, in the rocks with sweaty, tired, dirty Dreyfus and his, and his newly made girlfriend. So she noticed Uh, the the, the sweat. Good. Yeah. She noticed that it just got personal again is what she noticed. Right. And she yeah. and she finds that to be really important, even though <clears throat> if you dissect this movie, them having an idea of where this is going to be located, drawing and sculpting and all that crap really mm-hmm. meant nothing. It seems like the scientists and stuff all knew where to be and what to have. Like, why were they even involved? They sure that, they sure got that uh, that that uh, landing strip built quickly and like set up all well, those they, yeah, right. and we, we, lights and stuff like that. Right. Balaban, you know, set that up because he's like, oh, yeah, not only am I the most convenient French speaking person you have, I also uh, am a cartographer. And uh, let me let me school you on some stuff. And that's how they got there so quick because they weren't touched. uh, They weren't touched by the extraterrestrials. They were just lucky. but, But Scott's talking about something that really stuck in my craw, which is that the film tries to tell a story of a government sort of like suppressing the truth. And mm-hmm. speaking out of both sides of its mouth, like they, there's literally two consecutive scenes where a bunch of locals are called into a meeting with government toughs <laughs> yeah, who yeah, just yeah. sit there and lie to them. And then you immediately cut to, in a back room a warehouse, the government is prepping to people to go meet the aliens. And it's like you, you, you go from one to the other and you're supposed to go, ooh, conspiracy. But the film doesn't really tell the story. Mm. It just shows you that. Yeah. And that's okay. It just could have, there could have been more to that, that intrigue, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, you're right. Balaban, I'm a cartographer and this, these are, this is, um, what do you call it? Right. Uh, and, uh, oh, the longitude, longitude, latitude. latitude yeah. 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 So he yeah, knew yeah. what it all was. And then it's almost like a screen should have popped up with, uh, like SpongeBob, many Six months later, yeah, many man hours later or whatever. And then <laughs> exactly <clears throat> now they got their thing yeah, all built. Right. So, Once they figure out the the location, it's like, okay, now we're going to build this little base, this like figure out wh- how we communicate with them. We got to get all this stuff set up, all this, mm-hmm. you know. But, but didn't I'll you say, love didn't ahead. you love that when they all when they all realized that what they were doing, they go running to another guy's office and steal this expensive globe and that, roll it around. <sighs> like that's exactly that's the brilliant genius of Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. is that he imagines what would happen and then puts it in the film and yeah. lets you see it. Yeah. It's awesome. And none yeah. of these brilliant scientists figure out that it might be a lot easier to take a Just, piece of paper yeah. with those coordinates over to the globe rather than right, rolling right, this yeah. globe. But, it's, but it, it, it exemplifies what we talked about earlier, which is adding Spielberg adds energy. And, yeah. and you right. literally it's excitement. Yes. Right. It's, it's like almost like a rock song. It's like, oh, now I'm getting excited. Mm-hmm. They're doing something that I would do as a fool. Yeah. I would take this globe and roll it down the hall. So yeah, he puts uh, a little adrenaline into yeah. the scenes. I, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. And that's and in the 70s, that was really weird to do. Like it's it's yeah. an unusual yeah. tactic in a film. Uh, mm-hmm. Back then, things were kind of, you know, camera held still. You delivered your lines. Yeah. You yeah. looked close, to, the, zoomed up a close up on a guy and 
You really didn't do much else when it came to common We're filmmaking. Telling a story. And I want to. By the way, uh, if anybody's listening who wants to be a filmmaker, I want to give you a piece of advice because Spielberg figured something out that I just love, and that is if something is interesting in your movie and your movie is about people, people gather. They come together mm-hmm. to around the interesting thing, and we, the viewers, pick up on that. So, like in the in the air traffic control center, as this weird thing starts happening, all of these people are gathering around this one station mm-hmm. to figure it out. Once once there's a place on a highway where aliens have been flying by in the middle of the night joyriding, people start to gather. And Spielberg shows us that, and that gives you, the audience, this connection. Like, oh, wow, yeah, people are... People are all looking in the same direction. I will too. That's a really cool thing, mm-hmm. and, and it, it, I mean, he didn't invent it, but he really does it over and over and over, and it like it keeps you in the film as a viewer. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, I agree with that. So many great things. Oh, by the way, it. did you? Are you guys? When I was young, okay, so this movie came out in '77. I was born in '72. I did not see it until a little bit later. I think I saw it on VHS during the '80s, early mm-hmm. '80s. Same. Uh, Same. And so I was still very young then. And I had trouble dissecting the idea that Bob Balaban wasn't the same person as Richard Dreyfus because they both had that kind of yeah, facial hair, yeah. kind of. I did the same shorter. thing. You know what? I wasn't even sure this was Bob Balaban until I'm watching yeah. it and I said to Carter, I go, Oh my gosh, Carter, I think that's that dude from all those Christopher Guest movies. She goes, Who? And I go, It's the dude from Seinfeld. Yeah, who the runs guy in BC and talks him into doing a yeah, show about nothing. Falls in love with Elaine, which is great because right. then Carter goes, You know what? She goes, You know what that means, Dad? And I go, What? He goes, This is Bob Balaban in a movie talking to Richard Dreyfus. He would then go on to be in a movie where he falls in love with a character played by Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then we laughed and then we kept watching the movie. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't he's 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 at a young age with all the beard, him um he, he looks like uh Richard Dreyfus in a different movie. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. Like just like I don't know. You know what he looks I mean, it was like? A very seventies. It was a very seventies look. That the bushy hair. I mean, if yeah. he would have been wearing uh, bell bottoms with the cuffs rolled up a little bit, he, he wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have looked any more seventies than he already did. If you, if you take the more bearded character of Richard Dreyfus from Jaws and then put him up next to this Balaban character, they're kind of the same. Yeah. So I totally get it, and I did the same thing. I'm like, wait, who am I looking at here? Is that supposed to be yeah. him? And that's a character, it's Balaban's character that I wish they would have had more of in the film. We could have had maybe, you know, slightly less Dreyfus. Uh, take out one of his freakouts, the, looking at the pillow and deciding it looks like something. Mm-hmm, and yeah. maybe put in a little bit more about Balaban's character and his background. Because he right. was fascinating. Just mm-hmm. the fact that he he seemed to be, out of everybody, the person who knew the most about what was going on, even more right. than the French. Did. Do you think, mm-hmm. do you think there might've been some confusion by the aliens or like, we're looking for this guy. He kind of no. looks like this <laughs> and they're, and they accidentally <laughs> identified Richard Dreyfus instead. Well, that's kind of my whole point about this at the end of it all. What was the point of them having this in their head and their obsession? Was it to drive them to the thing? Okay. But then what? like, is it, did they really, they never answered the why trade. they needed him. Yeah, what's the trade? Why did I, they need did, him so bad? I did not. I did not understand the trade. Other than maybe he was most. They had been experimenting for years to find someone they could communicate with that could clearly understand their communication, and maybe Richard Dreyfus was the most attuned. That's the reason oh. why he got so upset. Yeah, they, they realized you, they, you, they were never going to get that out of the kid. It's like, oh, this right. kid. We're, we're, well, let's give him back. Why didn't we want this kid so much? Yeah. Get him out of here. <laughs> if you read the if you read the summaries of Spielberg talking about the film over the years and years, 
the right. aliens had mind control technology mm-hmm. and they were actually like like directly telling people in their brains to do things like that's like awful in, in the end when mm-hmm. when he goes when he joins them and goes onto the ship like you're you're supposed to understand that he's leaving his family not because he's a horrible person but because Which the aliens was. controlled his mind yeah you know i call poo but why oh, why the trade why the well, trade there is no trade like at the end of the day okay you're right all those people got off that had been abducted and then they had a bunch of volunteers in red suits that got re-abducted i guess but in a volunteer right, kind right. of way i don't know right which by the way know. you notice those guys in the red suits with all their matching sunglasses look just like the way the aliens looked in v yep totally oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they also a couple of them look like um uh who uh, i can't think of his name now steven seagal there was a couple of guys that look like steven seagal <laughs> and i know and this movie's got a bunch of that they're uh, like lance hendrickson's in this movie but he doesn't say anything oh, really? yeah he doesn't say a damn word but he's in like two oh, or three really? shots where He's looking up at the alien or he's in one of the offices running around or whatever. And I had to pause it and make sure. But sure enough, he's in the credits. But he never does anything. And there's Look, a few if, people like that. Carl Weathers freaking right. showing up as the yeah. cop. Oh, Carl Weathers. If, yeah. If I'm making, if I'm making a trade, it ain't going to be for Dreyfus. It's going to be for Carl Weathers. Yeah. What right? are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Give me yeah. Action Jackson. Now, yeah. Also, at the very end, did all the red suit people get on or just just no, Dreyfus. they didn't in this no, version pick, pick and choose yeah okay so they chose Dreyfus. so maybe that little kid aliens came over and said ah oh, this one and then uh None of the ones the old they only took the one who wasn't wearing sunglasses yeah. i love that the one and they're just molesting him as they walked him away it's just like little tentacle fingers everywhere is this polyester that was really weird He's, really you, weird. he's carrying some plums in his pants. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you another another thing Spielberg said for the 25th anniversary. So now we're in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, Spielberg said if he ha- if he was starting from scratch, it would be a completely different film because he oh, made yeah. it before he had kids, before he had a family, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so he was like he didn't know how uh, jarring it would be to see Richard Dreyfuss's character just completely abandon all of his responsibilities, you know? And yeah. that's why he came back with the more kid-friendly E.T., right? Mm-hmm. Maybe well, that, and, that was a and, lot more family-friendly, yeah, sure. Right. And he doesn't he doesn't like it, but he's kind of agreed that it's the same uh, race of aliens, that, yeah. that the E.T. is sort of a, a spiritual sequel to this movie. Well, me and Ibit sure. and I were talking on TMS the other day about this concept we may have brought it up when we watched et and i don't remember but the the peter coyote character with all the keys on his belt there was when i was a kid anyway the the urban legend was and it appears to be only that it was never confirmed but the urban legend was that the keys guy is the grown-up kid and that he's now on the hunt for more proof of aliens because for whatever reason the third kind thing got you know shoveled under the whatever and the government hides it so now he's older and always on the hunt uh for more extraterrestrial life and that that's the kid and i it kind of works like if you there's no actual hole in that theory in terms of like that it couldn't be him but um, and that's an testament to uh that's that's testament to spielberg's ability to create such a unique flavor that we assume that all the worlds he has created are tied in together because he's such he's such great singular vision kind of guy that just you, you can't you can't deny it. It's a Spielberg. Well, you know it's a Spielberg. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, what do we think happens at, after the end of this film? Do we think that 
all right, well, the government pretty much had this whole thing on lockup. Yeah, there are a couple civilians. We can kind of keep, keep them under control. One of them's on the spaceship, so we don't have to worry about him. But, mm-hmm. you know, the mom and the kid, we're going to have to kind of uh, witness protection program, lock them away for a while, and we're going to kind of keep this thing covered up. Or is no. it like this movie is the beginning of a the basis of a bunch of communication between us and those aliens. And we kind of continue forward in which case yes. the, the Peter coyote character wouldn't have to go looking for ET because, Oh but no, aliens went, are all over the place. And yes, but that's why wrong. ET is not a full sequel. It, it's only a spiritual sequel yeah. because it take it takes place in a, a part of the planet where there has been no contact with aliens ever before. This movie ends with the message Humans have finally grown to the point where contact with the aliens is known. Right. It is something well, that is going pretty, on now. Yeah, as as sparse and desolate as Wyoming is, I've been to Devil's Tower. Plenty of towns around it that would have no problem seeing that ginormous spaceship with a city stacked on top of it. You know, I'll tell you what's uh, funny. I got this. I'm sitting there watching this with my now 21 year old daughter, smart kid, but she looks at the screen and she goes, "That's fake." And I go, what? Ah. I go, what's fake? <laughs> I go, what do you mean that's fake? She goes, there's no, that doesn't, doesn't exist, that thing. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, that. It's like CGI or some crappy model or something. Right. And I said, no, Scott, that's not. That's an actual wrong. damn place. Scott, did, did you not drive your kids all around the no, western not United Wyoming, States no. on long family <laughs> vacation? Really? Not Wyoming. And I'll tell you this. I'll, Grand ta- I'll tell you this. Now, I think this is probably fair, but I don't know if anyone else is going to agree with me here, but it feels right to me. I saw this movie when I was a kid. It's the first time I ever saw this edifice. Yeah. I learned yeah. in later years that it was a real place, I, but it's <sighs> never come up in any other conversation except when really? I see this movie. Yeah. So for me, yeah. it's it's almost like this genius move on their part to pick something that nobody's, that, that's a little obscure because <laughs> it's kind yeah. of obscure. Like it, Yeah. I wonder what this did to the tourism uh, for Wyoming and, and uh, Devil's Tower National Monument because it had to have brought so many people there like, what? That thing with all the streaks on the side is a real place and yeah. the top cut off? She was sure Ew. it was fake. She's like, that doesn't exist. I'm like, sweetie, I, totally I had never, being uh, as close as I am to Wyoming, um, had never been there until about five or six years ago. We went to a family reunion up in um, northern Wyoming and decided to make a trip and, and do Devil's Tower and uh, Mount Rushmore, which I'd never seen before, Crazy Horse, and do all that stuff. Deadwood still didn't make it to... Um, uh, Still didn't make it to Montana. Unfortunately, we were so close. Mm. And uh, so, when you go up through uh, the Dakotas, I'm trying to figure out what this route is because you have to. Wait, wait, where's um, where's the where's the uh, oh geez, the pizza's wow. here. Oh, hello. Oh crap! The aliens I are here to take Scott. That, exactly. No, the government. The government is here to shut us down. No, no kidding. <laughs> but no, the big president's face thing. Uh, where the where's that? Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Rushmore. In, president uh, South, face South thing Dakota. That's South my, Dakota that's so new, yeah so tourism. you went so you went up and around yeah. and over okay yeah I can see right it. and never made it to, never made it to uh North Dakota either like we did South Dakota did like the Black Hills did Mount Rushmore did you crazy didn't make Horse. it to North Dakota you missed I nothing I know I didn't but hey, I still hey. have to I still have to have to visit those two <laughs> states over there that's it yeah right. Brian Montana, wants to get all North 50 Dakota, and that's it he wants all 50 and he's done Gotta catch them all. Yeah, gotta get them all. It's like Pokemon. 
I mean, think about it. Why would anyone, why would a grown man still be playing Pokemon? Because he's into catching right. them all. I get it. Exactly. I have to collect all 50 states. It's not like I've even bought like a, a spoon or a commemorative plate or mm-hmm. a little magnet showing that state from each one of these places. I just have to have been in each one. And now, here, here's the, the thing. Here's the thing. I don't know if I believe it. There's actually two of these, the, two of these trivia bits I'm not sure I believe, but let's just, just throw them out there and see what we think. Yeah. Says yeah. the film is shown. This film is shown every night at the Devil's Tower KOA campground up there awesome. at the National Park there, thereby making it the most screened film of all time because mm-hmm. every night it's shown, including tonight. I, every night. I don't see how I don't see how that could have been true. I see how it could be true now. I don't see how it could have been true in prior years because film would not accept that kind of abuse. Oh no, years no. Well, years. Yeah, no you'd have to have multiple have prints. Said, yeah. Uh, no, here it is. I'm on the official KOA.com slash campground slash Devil's Tower, and it says, enjoy the nightly hayride through this historic Campstool Ranch, one of the oldest ranches in Wyoming. The movie right. Close Encounters of the Third Kind was filmed on site in 1976 and is shown nightly at the campground. Oh, wow. So Man. it is still being shown. And this KOA offers a full-service restaurant, an extensive gift shop, and a sweet shop that features legendary fudge and hand-dipped ice cream. Yeah, made touched by, by, Richard, touched by Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. That's right. He licks each piece himself. Yeah, he shapes, Boy, I will, he shapes each piece into a <laughs> Devil's Tower monument. Right. <laughs> I will guarantee that over at Disneyland, there's a film that predates this one that's shown every day. It could have been Captain I, I EO, but they stopped showing that. Yeah, Captain yeah. EO got, got put to sleep. It's the, you know what it is? It's the movie you watched before the Hall of Presidents. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They still show. Oh, man. Uh, I need to get to yeah. the Hall of Presidents. Last time I went. Yeah. yeah. I need to see it now that it's got the big animatronic right. modern presence. By the way, I was uh, uh, I was at Disneyland a uh, week ago. Yeah. And it was, and, and love, love, love the Enchanted Tiki Room, but it's time to update the soundtrack. Just saying. Yeah, oh, sure. I kind of agree. The last time I was there for full Disneyland treatment, which is like September a year ago, I they were working on the Hall of Presidents. Something was being done and we couldn't go in. And I was pissed because I was I was super. Into We're that. putting in Trump. And that's Everybody probably what, it was. Well, that's what they did. They put right. in a, a little animatronic prump, 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 prump. But the idea that they they had to shut the whole damn thing down to put a new president in, I guess, makes sense. But it annoyed me, and I was like, "All right, Listen, my you. wires are very huge. I have lots of wires. <laughs> the yeah, best wires. The best wires. <laughs> and also, they had uh, the, what something else? Oh, Space Mountain was shut down, which was a huge bummer. Now that's crap. Yeah, that is crap. You know, it's because they do it right around this time every year because they take out the, they put in ghosts for Halloween, and right. then they have to de-theme it and uh, and then get it ready. Right. So we would have been there, end of September. We so that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. And we were there a couple days before um, Randy went, and uh, I looked ahead on the thing because it said, you know, if you look at the app and you pick the day you're going, it's going to say, we know these these rides are going to be unavailable, and one of them was the Matterhorn. And another one was Space Mountain. I was so bummed. Well, as we were as we were walking by Space Mountain, we were on our way over to the um, uh, what used to be the little circular wheel of progress or whatever it's called, yes. and was Stark Technologies for a while. Now it's Launch Bay, and it's all Star Wars stuff. Oh yeah. Um, as we were walking over there, we saw 
Space Mountain Open line, 30 minutes. And we're like, oh, we're doing this. Let's go. And so we got in line. We found out that it was only open for an hour that day oh, because cool. they wanted to test things after the de-theming. Oh, no. That's, that's always no. super. Right yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, I, I don't, don't want to be a test subject on your <laughs> ride. You don't want to be no. Space Mountain Beta? No. Come on. It's not like those things ever no. leave the tracks. I don't know, dude. No. I don't that's what I, I thought it. before I rode the uh, Peter Pan ride, Disney oh, World. Oh, Lord. All they're doing is just taking off the little ghosty things that float around on the ceiling. If, and the yeah, but well, freaking Jasper if, if, from uh, Team 2 sat down to smoke a hot smoke a fat one and he leaned in and bent something you didn't know about i don't know dude that uh if they, I don't know. If they need to, if they, need to te- if they need to test it there's a possibility of bad so no i'd yeah. i'd uh be much more worried about uh you know all the ash human ash remains yeah, that you get true, when you true. splash down in uh, pirates of the caribbean oh, yeah that's everybody dumping their loved ones <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing. Okay, here's another one where I think is a lie, but only Brian Ibbett can confirm it, okay? <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick says he was so impressed with Carrie Guffey's performance, that's the little kid, played the four-year-old yeah. kid, that right. he wanted him for the role of Danny Torrance in The Shining. Confirm yeah. or deny? Cause well, you, cause it could you be that he wanted out, him. You tried out for that role, right? I tried out for that role, and I was one of the last. I was in the in the running, the last few. My mom says I was in the running, like, the last three kids. But um, I I always thought it was like the last you know eight or ten. Um, Danny uh, Guffey or Cam got what's his name? What's the Gary, kid? Gary Gary Guffey. Yeah. Gary Guffey. Gary Guffey. <clears throat> he would have been way too young for that role because he was five when he four or five. He was born. He was born in seventy two, same year as me. So right. So he was eight. actually four. This was filmed in seventy six. Came out in seventy seven. Right. So he was four when they filmed it. The Shining, the Shining would have been. It was later. He would it? have only been like eight, seven, or eight when they were filming that. I Danny think, Torrance needed to be what been, 10, 11? He could have pulled it off. He could have yeah. played older toys. Yeah, he might have been able to play yeah. older. I mean, Dreyfus even, even played, played older than me. Dreyfus played older. He's born in forty-seven, but in this movie, they asked when he was born. He said forty-four. They always do that. I don't even know why. Why is that a thing? Why don't you just say when you were can, born? Who cares? Can can we can we also talk about casting Dreyfus because? Uh, uh, you know, we talk about this a lot on Film Sack. It's a thing we return to. You know, like who who did they almost have in this role, and what a different movie it would have been. Uh, spoilers uh, for this one: everybody, yeah, right. freaking everybody. Right. Yeah. But uh, Steve McQueen was apparently the person that Spielberg wrote it for, and yeah. McQueen uh, liked it, but he didn't feel like he was the right person for it. He didn't, he didn't feel like he had the emotional range. He said something about how he couldn't he couldn't make himself cry on camera, things like that. Yeah. So then, so then we just get into Dustin Hoffman, Al Pacino, Gene Hackman, Jack Nicholson, and it's like, okay, let's just list all the famous people. No, Gene Hackman would have been awesome. I would have liked Jack Nicholson. I would have loved Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Hackman uh, the the story with Hackman is that he was gonna. It was all a go, and then he was having a major like breakup with his wife and mm-hmm. ugly divorce, and that would have been perfect to use that for the role. I mean, yeah, right, kinda. exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm experiencing this now. I love him, so uh, I would have. By been the way, if, if you go and look online at pictures of uh, Kerry Guffey and what he looks like now, he's kind of he kind of disappeared. He retired at at in 1985 from acting and and went on to do other things. But he looks like just a like a receding hairline version of of that kid of himself yeah. as a little kid. He yeah. also looks. Carter said pointed out he looks a little like Frank Burns, just a little bit. Larry Little. Oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah. oh, so you guys looked at older pictures. I think the kid. It's funny because if you shave the kid's head, 
he would look like one of those gray aliens. He's got the big <laughs> eyes, the little slit for a mouth. I mean, he looked like he would have fit in perfectly with those. Gray I assume aliens. those kid, the aliens are all kids too, right? They had to be. There's yeah, yeah the, there were actually kids. Not yeah, we didn't not little yeah. people suits. Yeah, yeah. As far as I could tell, he's just girls at that. He said Spielberg said that he preferred girls because they were more uh, graceful. Graceful. There you go. Well, they okay. are little boys at that age are, yeah. are kind of dicks, to be honest. I mean, boys are boys. I would have loved to see them yeah. come running yeah. down the thing. Yeah, farting. Dude, I just farted my suit being again. Stupid. Yes, exactly. You are exactly right. And it's not there to say that girls don't want to have fun in the famous words of. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> not, not they, yet. It's not, not yet. the eighties. I mean, there, there, there's something about. I can just tell you just from experience. There's just a difference, and I can't really tell you oh, why. Yeah. And mm-hmm. also, when I was a kid and I was that age, I was a total doofus, and every girl I knew my age was like way more mature than me. <laughs> like yeah. they were they had it going on they got grades going I, on they had worried about I, school i, I, I want to say are. i want to say this is a gross uh gross characterization because i've met plenty of young boys and plenty of young girls who have different grace levels i don't think it's only but attuned you're to right one you're right but i think that if you're if you're casting for 50 alien right. kids and the you ratio have the may choice. be more in your favor. Yeah, if you have the choice, you're going to go with with a bunch of... I would go with a bunch of girls because I would trust right. them to not to misbehave less. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll call that... What I don't know what that is. Is that sexist? Is that reverse sexism? I don't know what that is, but it's uh, true. No, I think mostly for just a pretty... You know, girls I, agree. I, I, I agree with you, and obviously Spielberg did, but it's, it's telling that they cast a three-year-old boy for this primary role. And it's amazing the performance that they managed to capture. You really believe this kid is experiencing what you're seeing. They also called him one take carry because apparently yeah. he was really good yeah. at just nailing it the first time. And they would well, rarely take second, third takes. Or if they did, they felt like they kind of wasted it because he would get right. it, whatever they yeah, needed out of him. How hard is it? All right, look over here and go, toys. Okay, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. it seems simple <laughs> enough. I guess it's harder yeah. than... They could have called me one take gibbet if I would have been on The Shining yeah. for that same reason. It's like, all right, we need you to drive your big wheel through the hallways. But, okay. but Ibis not bitter. He's no, not he's not bitter, bitter about that. Bitter at all. At all. No. <laughs> no, your, brush, your brush with fame was so close. It was that... to come many years later in the form of uh, yeah. Coverville and TMS right. and Film Sack. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, I don't know what that other kid's doing, but I'm thinking you're right. <laughs> I don't know what's he doing now. What's the kid? He's doing nothing. The kid from The Shining is doing hey, nothing. He was you, he was in the Great don't Gatsby. Don't say that. Don't. Well, let's not. Let's not. Oh, yeah, not doing anything. He's not that. sitting on his couch. He's living life. <laughs> he's not acting anymore. I'll say. There you that. go. Okay. There we go. All right. There that's fine. That's he's not a famous actor. Yeah. He's he didn't go full. Uh, who who's a kid actor that went on to be a giant uh, adult uh, actor? Uh, Gordon Jason Gordon Levitt. Jason oh, Gordon Levitt. Oh no, he's not a butt. He's not a jerk. He's no, he's oh, not. I'm sorry, did you say? Oh no, no. Were you specifically asking for ones that became jerks? No, no, no. I'm saying oh, I'm just sorry, one that went on. <laughs> Dunaway jumping right to the right to the know, throat like, on that which one. Which one's a jerk? Well, okay. Misunderstood. <laughs> Misunderstood. I thought you said something about being an asshole. It's, no, I was laughing because his name isn't Jason Gordon Levitt. His name is. Uh, Gordon, Jason Joseph, Joseph, Gordon Joseph Gordon, but Levitt. you were asking about Gordon went on Levitt. to fame, right? Like, yeah. like oh. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, there you go, Drew Barrymore, another Spielberg uh, uh, graduating class, um, and handled it so well. Really, yeah. I mean, she had yeah. a bump. She had a bump. She had a, she dude. She had, she had a, a huge late, bump. She was snorting right, cocaine at twelve. Like, yes, she had a giant bump. She had a. But rough... look how she recovered. No, she did fine. Look, I'm. I think she's what she has accomplished since is very impressive. But if you right. look at that dip. That that took that takes out people. 
and she made it through, and it's yeah. impressive yeah. she made it through because she had a yeah. she so, had a piece so maybe of business. Elijah Wood is your is oh, your yeah. yeah there's your guy he did he, he kind of had his his own thing going on sure we're gonna watch um on Thanksgiving we're watching all our Thanksgiving movies and everyone says well wait isn't planes trains and automobiles the only Thanksgiving movie and I would no. say no. Oh God, no! There's a uh, ton. There's a whole bunch, and one of them Home for me. For the holidays is a good one. Yeah, uh, the Family Stone's pretty good. If you're into that, uh, what else? That's my wife's pick. But uh, I like is that the one with the 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 Sit Chivas. The Family Stone. Uh, or is that a different one? No, oh, I don't remember. But it's got Dermot Dermic McRolney in it from our. Movie no, we love week. that guy. He's great. <laughs> but uh, from from <laughs> Chaw. So he yeah. needs some Chaw right yeah, now. He needs Chaw. Big he needs, old branch of Chaw. He needs all the Chaw. But 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 like uh, the movie Avalon with uh, is this old movie and it's there's a huge Thanksgiving part in it so I think of it as a Thanksgiving movie, but that's I, that's got I, a very run, young Elijah Wood in it. He's like five. Right. Yeah. During during Thanksgiving, I always uh, find every Bob's Burgers Thanksgiving special because that's always <laughs> yes. oh, they're so good for me. They're so good. good. That show yeah. figured yeah. out a way to make Thanksgiving episodes as cool as Christmas or Halloween or any of the others mm-hmm. usually that these shows do. Somehow and Thanksgiving is great. To. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because Bob cares. Like yeah, that's the yeah. like it, it's so wonderful. You know next week we're gonna get to see a new episode of Bob's Burgers. Wait, tomorrow we're gonna get to see a new yeah. episode of Bob's Burgers with with like Bob really trying hard yeah. to make Thanksgiving great again. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> it's his that's yeah. Slavishly, yeah. lovingly trying to make th- I mean it feels genuine. I totally agree. That that one where the turkeys kept showing up in the toilets, I was so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I was so frustrated for him. I felt so bad for him. Anyway, Bob's Burgers, catch it, Fox. All right. Yes. I'm gonna take a quick second here and thank our friends at Bombfell. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men. I'm one of those. Hey, I'm a man, and they help you find the right clothes for you. They're personalized just for you. In fact, you sign up online. You complete a very simple questionnaire. You're then matched up one-on-one with a dedicated personal stylist. This part was much easier than I would have expected. And then they handpick every piece, and they help you do that. Your stylist will email you a preview of their selections, uh, and you have time. you got 48 hours to make any changes or cancel it altogether. You're in total control the entire time. Afterwards, Bombfell will ship you the selected clothes, and you'll have seven days decide to decide and only pay for what you want to keep. So if you got, like me, ordered a whole set of new stuff, and you're like, hmm, I like everything but the socks. You can send that back with free shipping both ways. Uh, so it's very flexible that way. And it doesn't matter what you're you're doing there. But anyway, very, very flexible. You can receive clothes every one, two, or three months. And you can pa- pause the, uh, the service or cancel at any time. They leave that all up to you. Clothing is shipped straight to your door. No need to spend hours shopping at the store. And now with every shipment, the more you keep, the more you save. Keep two items, you get 10% off. Keep three items, you get 15% off. Keep four plus items. 20% off. That's crazy. That's like a sale every time you do it. Sign up process was super easy. The quiz was easy. All that stuff was just a piece of cake. Not hard at all. And uh, the items that I picked, I liked a lot. I got this awesome blue button down and uh, some khakis. Oh, I look I look good in these. I clean up nice when I need to. But opening that box was great. Trying everything on. It was like Christmas every morning. <laughs> I mean, honestly, when, you, when you're a guy like me, now you appreciate clothes for Christmas. And uh, so getting a box in the mail and opening it like it's Christmas Day is, is nice. Um, really nice quality pieces. Uh, the, I got a belt that I think is fantastic. Anyway, we have a special offer for our listeners and just for the show. For, uh, excuse me, for $25 off your first purchase, 
Go to bombfell.com slash filmsack. That's, here's how it's spelled, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash filmsack. Once again, bombfell.com slash filmsack for $25 off your first purchase. And we thank them again for supporting the show. It's awesome stuff. Go check it out. Uh, here's the most insane trivia that I found. You ready for this one? This is a good one. One early concept for interpreting the aliens included an orangutan on roller skates. <laughs> the idea did not work because the orangutan became uh, became too frightened, and the second that its roller skates touched the ground, <laughs> arms arms flailing about. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, like it's gonna look like an alien. <laughs> like it's gonna look like that new mascot for uh, whatever team right. was. Greedy. I am not. I am not getting on that ship. It's look a, at those guys. Terrible no idea. What an awful, awful idea. But yeah, love it though. It's this says they did it. I I can't confirm it, but that's what it says. All right. Uh, what else? Did you guys find anything that you thought I you would have thought I thought was gross? Oh, uh, uh, gross parts. Uh, that's a good question. There aren't a lot, actually. I'll I'll tell you that no. right now. And in fact, the thing I picked is probably not going to get picked by any of you guys. But uh, bringing trash, stinky garbage back into your house to like nah. build. Uh... <laughs> that's pretty bad. I should have probably put that on my list. I have two. Oh, that, that trope of jerking the trash from the from the from the were, street. That's always fun. Yeah. There yeah. were two moments I was like, "Wow, Scott would not like to be in this." It, it, like, and so like the first is when the little kid wakes up and comes out, and the refrigerator has just been emptied onto the floor. I was like, yeah. "Oh, come on, oh, seriously?" Just, he's totally, he's totally getting blamed for that too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to just be. Uh, I I don't think Scott could handle Dreyfus kissing terry gar i think that's the thing <laughs> no that was okay he's kind that's of a, gross. you're saying it's gross for terry gar he he's exactly a, he's i think semi handsome himself as terry gar no, he's and, a he's a semi-handsome dude at this age he's fine he's fine that didn't bother me yeah. but it is richard dreyfus related okay so there were two of them and the one that doesn't really that gross it just annoyed me and i was like please freaking wrench your hands off he spent like 20 minutes walking around with freaking uh yeah. shaving cream. cream on his hands dude oh, right, go sure. wash your hands there's the, all this exposition, and you could have had your hands washed 50 times by now. Go wash them off. And he's laying on the bed, holding his hands up. Still got goop all over him. Half his face is covered. He never washes those damn hands. <laughs> okay, so that was one. But the worst for me was the very end-ish before he gets on the ship, and the door opens, and the light's really bright, but he's staring right into it. You can see all the way up Richard Dreyfus's nose, just <laughs> right up in there. <laughs> Just a big hairy <laughs> pit of despair. So the other thing I made note of is the scene, which, and admittedly, all of these scenes are too long. I, Spielberg was really loving scenes where the aliens are somehow shaking things mm -hmm. and causing like physical objects to move. I, I they they never really explained. Like I wish he had stuck with a scientific explanation. Like they can make metal objects move because they're like magneto or something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, right. uh, the scene where he's first encountering them and he's in his truck and they put the they put the truck on a big tilt a whirl and and kept the camera stationary so they turn the truck over and all the stuff in the truck flies around and hits him in the face and stuff mm -hmm. there was so much stuff in that truck mm -hmm. who yeah. who has a library of papers in their truck no, it, it was ridiculous mm -hmm. no that. i don't i don't think it was that ridiculous i grew up during uh these times and i people used to use uh, their dashboards to store all this paperwork because we were using because we weren't using we weren't in digital age so there was so much paper and if you didn't throw it away I've seen so many trucks oh, like yeah. this this is my so dad many work truck hundred percent my dad a hundred percent everything and if it's in a there. work truck for sure yeah yeah, yeah. 
And my dad's, so I, my dad's I thought, truck I was always kind of teeming with that stuff. Dusty, disgusting. Right. There's like a half-eaten freaking burger be, somewhere. There's going to be a plastic uh, coffee out of those trucks. from a convenience store that's got a handle on the side and one of those red right. flip-top lids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's going to be somewhere in your work truck, and that's going to dump out all over the place, too. Like yeah. coffee where the cream is like settled and congealed onto one how, side. How much did you guys want a, a city map to pull down from your advisor? I was just like, oh, that was oh cool. my no, you gosh. Know what I, want? I want a little Frankenstein model for my uh, bedroom yeah. whose pants fall down and his face turns red. I want that is cool. I, there's a lot of cool toys in this. I, I Spielberg also good at bringing those out in movies. He's great at like right. digging yes. out. Cool yeah. Circle back around for just a second what Randy said about sure. uh, didn't understand. Uh, the purpose of the movement and no explanation of the movement of objects when the spaceships were around, like the, the railroad, the lack of gravity uh, and stuff, right. And the railroad oh, oh, sign oh, oh, things. Sure. Flying around. Um, yeah, I, I, I was glad they didn't explain it because I'm assuming this technology, I, I wouldn't understand. And it also played to Dreyfus's moment of doubt later on when the helicopter shows up and the stop sign is flipping around. You're like, okay, so we have, you know, we have devices that, we understand, and we understand why they're moving. Uh, maybe there'd be something that this, the aliens would not have, and yeah. it might also give you a, a moment of pause and doubt that that maybe you're just crazy. Yeah, was this, no, was I, I, that stuff didn't bother me. Uh, in fact, I, again, things that I weren't explained, to like magnetic fields or something in the air from yeah. from the spaceship, and it was almost always metal stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know. And, and now her house was a little different. Like, did a thing come in from the ship and dig through the fridge and dump it all ET style and then leave? Mm-hmm. Did I don't know. Maybe right. did it just open and explode because of some metal thing? Was the vent, uh, or, sorry, the oh, chimney? The unscrew, the, the yeah, the unscrews. Unscrew. Like, was that something unscrewing them or was it magnetic? Right. Again, like they don't. None of that felt. It's, mm-hmm. The refrigerator always takes a beating in supernatural and sci-fi films. Oh, Ghost, Ghostbusters when Zool shows up uh, and uh, you know tries to eat Dana. No, fridges and are so, mistreated in Hollywood, dude. They right. Just get eggs, eggs usually are, are a thing that blow up and explode. Yeah. Soda pops. Yeah, soda thing, pop yeah. cans. Um, what else? Uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty much so it. Like, so like Randy said, tropes. Yeah, tropes. And, and, and yes, yes. And like the there's a there's a side trope here, uh, uh, control your kids, which <laughs> bug, bugs the hell out of me because I have, I've had a kid. I know what you do, and that is and that is – when they're able to run around and let themselves out of the house, you board the place up like it's a prison. <laughs> and and this like this is such an incompetent mom and it bugged me that <laughs> she was being in you know portrayed this way because it's like at some point you realize, "Oh, my kid's a runner." You you tie yourself <laughs> Yeah, you tie yourself to them and that's that. And she didn't do that. And then like the fourth time he runs away, he manages to, you know, get uh, abducted. I'm just like why, why are you doing this as character? Like, this movie is right, being yeah. mean to this but mom. Was yeah. this was this more a reality of the 70s? Because I, I was often able to escape my parents. Uh, oh, yeah, no. It was a different that, time for that. that time. They it just let like you I go. Was... You didn't have a phone. You didn't have any of that. Yeah. You just went. You were out. Yeah, we I watch, I'm watch a little kids a little more, maybe? Maybe back then they just kind of like, eh, I'll have another one. Yeah. Much I can't. Up. I can't imagine there was ever a time when I was ambulatory, but too young to like uh, be reasoned with, and my parents were just like, "He sleeps in his own room over there," while I'm completely passed out, drunk with the TV on, and like he could just he could just come and go. I mean, we live out in the country. What could happen? Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. never have happened. Yeah, this is a little extreme. I <laughs> different think this time. Kid. Different time in the seventies. Sure, yeah. but this. I remember this walking was... to elementary school, and I was like. Yeah. It, yeah, second totally. or third grade and oh, I, yeah. 
like such a long distance crossing two major streets. Mm -hmm. Right. My mom was always taking a nap. Look, I was always, (laughs) I don't know if it was the alcohol or what, but she was always taking a nap. There's there's a theory going around. My sister talked about this with me off air the other day. There's this theory going around that the reason uh, people are more um, interested in making sure their kids are constantly okay in our modern age is because of technologies that make it impossible for you to have plausible deniability if something bad happens. Hmm. So if your kid runs out into the woods back in the day, it'd be like, well, what else am I supposed to do? These days they got a tracker on them. They got a phone in their pocket that tells you where they're at all the time. Like you got all these reasons why in court it wouldn't hold up. You know, you put them on a leash when you take them to the mall. Right. (laughs) Right. Hey, if you, if you lost a kid there in the seventies, everybody just went shrug. Yeah. Oh well, we'll make more. I really, I really find that the the theory that uh, availability of birth control is what has changed parenting attitudes makes a lot of sense. Mm. The the fact is, uh, you are not likely to get married at eighteen and then have twelve kids, and it's it like it's like totally acceptable culturally for you to lose three or four of them along the way. Mm -hmm. it's not it's not wrong. Is yeah. uh yeah have I, a bunch think, so that you can lose a couple right mm-hmm. I yeah we're we're in a uh, we're in a spot in now that uh, yeah I mean I think it was a lot more frequent to lose siblings oh it was people would have twelve kids yeah. because someone had to yeah. carry the farm on and four of them yeah. were gonna die of diphtheria the other one was gonna fall off a cliff the other one's gonna now, sat the 70s on my weren't exactly you know we weren't exactly working the farms in the seventies but yeah I mean but, maybe that, but I mean before that like that meant, yeah yeah and then you know they have people like my my wife comes from a huge family her. Her parents, they all grew up in Mississippi, but she has, not that that matters, I guess, but she has, um, let's see. What are you saying, Scott? I want to say there were 10 total of them, of the kids, and two were adopted. There are no three, so there's that, but that's still a ton of kids, and uh, that to them seemed like what you should do because your, your goal is to... You know, you leave no stone unturned kind of or whatever. And you want to have as much backup as you can. And and these days, like her mother was almost offended. Not I shouldn't say almost. She was offended when we stopped at three. She thinks that's not enough. Right. And I remember saying to her, you know, what's right for you isn't right for us, blah, blah, blah. But she didn't seem to care. There was this time where I had a niece sat on my sat on my knee. We got this niece who's adopted my uh, wife's sister, Sarah, adopted a, a daughter. Um, and she sat on my knee one day when she was very little, looked at me, and because I'm not her dad, she starts to cry. That's what little kids yeah. do. Babies do that at that age. And she turns to me, my mother-in-law turns to me and goes, you know what that is, don't you? And I go, what is it? She goes, that's because she was just in the before life, and she knows that you should be having more kids, and she's upset at you because you're stopping oh to have kids. Oh, my gosh, that is hilarious. She Such told me that, and I looked at her and went, oh, my gosh, are you freaking kidding me? And now I this kind of stuff, it's not that it's ended. She hasn't stopped doing this sort of thing, but now I have to treat it as a joke or else I'll just lose my mind. So now, yeah, so now when she'll hug me and then say something in my ear, something judgmental, because she'll do that. I'll go. Right. I'm being hug judged. I'm being hug judged. I'll say it out loud, and ever and she'll get mad and hit me on the arm. But it's a much better relationship now because I just don't take it. But, but yeah, like it. I, even in the '70s, I think there was just a different approach to when right. you started having kids, how many you would have, when you'd quit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if one and, run and you got to remember also, it's it's the it was a it was a new age for the independent woman. Not that it wasn't. Not that no one ever was an independent woman without a husband. Before then, it was just becoming much more oh, yeah. common in trying to work those jobs. Because Terry Gar's character was like, I'm not getting a job. 
So they were very old school, uh, even for that time, mm-hmm. of, uh, of, of ideas. And so this new girl, she's a working mom. She's, we assume that she's working a lot and she's, you know, she's got to get up early and, and trying to raise a kid. And it's hard when all that stuff is coming at you. Yep. And she was really uh, good in this. I thought that actress was great. I thought she did a great job. Yeah. I thought, and, she, and she had of very course, little just to from, say, but just from a movie standpoint, Spielberg is trying to create tension. Uh, and this kid creates a lot of tension because <laughs> uh, you're like, oh, my God, just get the kid. She's really yeah. into that kid's really into Boston University, though. Do you notice that? He yeah, really is. Yeah, He's an alumni. Yeah, yeah, really into it. Wearing that shirt and whatnot. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, it tells you something that uh, he cries when the aliens leave, but he seems more than happy when he's leaving his mom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bye, mom. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Runs through the woods. Exactly. Sucked. Which is sleep. Fall asleep actually, in your Daisy Dukes. <laughs> that actually really rang true to me. Uh, a, a little kid, especially an only child, is trying to kill himself at all times. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. kind of. And they don't have backup. They don't have, nope. you know, a sibling on their shoulder going, now, now, now. Like, it... Let's see, Ibit, you're an only kid. Did you yeah. ever feel like you were just just loose out in the out in the everything? And you're just I totally like, did, but yeah. I never I didn't feel like I was out there trying to kill myself. But I did feel like like I was un, uh, uh, untou- not untouchable, indestructible. Mm, like right. I would, you know, go and do jumps with my uh, dirt bike off of things that probably were way too big for me to do jumps off of, and <laughs> and. Uh, Climbing on things I shouldn't have and spending way too much time up on rocks or in trees or or, or things like that. No, those, right. all, those all sound really your, good to me right now. Your poor mom. Uh, well, speaking of poor moms, be poor no more because we're going to do clips now. And clips. There, there aren't a ton. It's uh, kind of a movie without a lot of dumb dialogue. It's kind of just matter of fact stuff and none mm-hmm. of it's too over the top. So it's not a ton this week, but it's enough to share. For example, this is what... Um, Richard Dreyfus sounds like when he's scared by a sudden flashlight turning on. Okay, so this is the sound he makes when you turn a flashlight on. There you go. There's that. <laughs> there were a lot of people scared by lights in this film. Like when all the lights are going off in the gas stations and the McDonald's, you hear like four or five people going, "Hey, lights!" Yep, yep. You know that, but that's that's real. Is it? Have you ever been in a public place yes. and the lights go out? Yes. There's always it, there's always like this. <gasps> oh. Yeah, I, ha- I have. I'm, I don't I'm yell, gonna... hey, lights. Yeah. <laughs> hey, lights. Hey, hey, lights. Yeah, no one says, hey, lights. Nobody says, hey, lights. Yeah. Here's, uh, here's what going. Oh, Spielberg claims that he based the whole scene of uh, Dreyfus putting everybody in the car at four in the morning and rushing out to see a thing. He says that was based on a childhood experience. There was a meteor shower or something, and his parents threw him yes, and his siblings I, in a car. And... I personally had that experience multiple times. We've done it to yeah, my kids. Too. Never happened to me, but we did it a couple of times with the kids. <laughs> where I can't even remember what they were, but we shoved them in the car and took them to a thing. And I remember them liking it. I, I think? was I, I was awakened multiple times to look at the moon. Uh, that was a thing. And as a kid, you're I, not going to believe I, it. <laughs> yeah, like there was like you know like a, a lunar eclipse or whatever, and my mm, bedtime right. was real early. Yeah, and I would get awakened an hour later. And I, yeah, I st- I still do this every time I see a funny cat video. Kids, get up! Yeah, it's only cat <laughs> videos here. though. Yeah, you must be. The most I'm gonna get you in the car. Dad. We're gonna drive around the block. Then I'm gonna come back. And we're gonna look at this video. Yeah, the most annoying dad award goes to you. All right, here's uh okay. So Dreyfus says that this is better than a thing. Come on, get up, up, both. Come on. It's better than Goofy Golf. It's better than Goofy Golf. It's better than Goofy Golf. Also, the audio in this movie is not great, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's blaring. There's it's a also lot very of, tinny uh, and it's very harsh. Yeah, 
I, I'm not impressed with that. But again, it's like his second big feature, and I mean, right. who knows? Uh, here's that did, song. Did, oh, did, go ahead. Did any of us have a goofy golf course uh, <laughs> nearby? We no. Well, we had putt putt. I mean, the same kind of thing, right? I had I had golf. We had mini golf and stuff, but I never heard of a branding one called Goofy. Never. Yeah, we didn't have Goofy Golf, but it was. I imagine just all different names for the same thing. Did you guys have Goofy Golf? Randy? No, absolutely. Oh, maybe it didn't exist. I grew up in South Texas, man. We I remember when we got McDonald's. Like seriously, that yeah. the idea of <laughs> something like a, a a properly branded goofy golf being within five hundred miles yeah. is crazy. We just play with sticks and knock the ball inside a deer carcass. That's how we did it. <laughs> uh here's that song that we all know and love. They never explain how the Hindu people knew the tune. Yeah, tune. yeah. They said that it it, it uh, came it came down and it, and it spoke to them. So basically, <laughs> one of the ships was hovered over them, I guess, and and did the thing. That was they're actually kind of, a really these aliens great are looking, kind of dicks. Uh, they're just kind of manipulating everybody. Like, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. 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 Um, but they didn't explain how the uh, the Indian people were able to make that weird edited cut. After they do the first three notes, right. before they do the last two. Yeah. That's a really good point. Uh, here's, I wrote repeats. I don't know what this is. Here you go. Wait 60 seconds and the whole doggone thing repeats. Oh, I made a fart one. I made a fart one. <laughs> I didn't think you could do it. You I made did, it better. I forgot to, I, I forgot I did I that. loved how that guy was explaining what was happening and the other guy was like, all right, sure, whatever. Yeah, he just okay. showed up in a suit. Like yeah. Very yeah. realistic. Very weird. Um, here's a flying saucer explanation. Ladies and gentlemen. This is a flying saucer. And then later explains that it's not. Psych! It was my kid in this dinner plate. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys were jerks. Here's uh, Santa Claus line. Now, there are all kinds of ideas that would be fun to believe in. Mental telepathy. Time travel. Immortality. Even Santa Claus. Jeez, that guy's, a, that guy's a real harsh. The least realistic thing about the film is how often someone gets to speak and a whole crowd of people don't interrupt them. Yep. It's amazing. Yep. That mm-hmm. never happens in real life. It was the 70s. <laughs> By the way, my dad's generation for sure would say not mental telepathy. He would say mental. And that mental. guy says mental. Mental right. telepathy. They mental. couldn't say mental. Men- I yeah. saw Bigfoot once. Yeah. By mental. Dude, that Bigfoot guy was great. Oh, what, yeah. What was yeah. the sign he was holding up that said, uh, be friendly? Y'all come stop on back well, now. Stop yeah. a while and be friendly. Yeah. Or something yeah. like that. Stop, yeah. and stop, stop and be friendly. Stop and be friendly. I want a tattoo. <laughs> I want a tattoo written in his poor hand, handwriting. <laughs> yes. Those weird block letters. Attempts right. of block letters. Yeah. Also, I didn't one, get of the best, one of the best fonts in any, any movie ever, Close Encounters, and then we get this guy with the sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right, here's here's a line I don't understand very much. What I need is something so scary it'll clear 300 square miles of every living Christian soul. What about all the ones that aren't Christians? Yeah. What if there's uh, like a, what if you got a Hindu down there at the camp? He's just gonna sit there, go ah, I don't know why all these Christians are leaving. I hate that line. <laughs> I don't I don't understand, he's, Scott. He's, why didn't you literally... add the fart there? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so dumb. I don't like it. I Play the like game it. with the fart. I, I know you got it. Uh, I don't yeah, know. You got a button. I always have, have farts, but I don't want to. I don't want to go find it. Right, okay, here on. you go. <laughs> there you go. The Scooby fart. Close enough. Good. I can use my imagination. Yeah. Uh, here's Santa. Cl- no, sorry. This is the final one. This is the tones that we all know and love. Play the five tones. So that was created by 
uh, John Williams. John Williams. After yeah. multiple attempts to create it, and I guess it just came down to Spielberg going, "That's it. That's the one. I like it." Uh, yeah, hundred variations apparently. And I do love the you know the the back and forth between the you know the uh, NASA or, or the the scientists and the big spaceship when doing the tuba sound like it's going out of control yeah, responding that. it was really yeah. cool I'm, and yeah. again from the perspective of a younger person who hasn't seen this movie before carter was enraptured by that she thought that was so cool mm-hmm. she's like this yeah. this is she goes this isn't even using like amazing uh special effects technology or anything but i'm completely in on this i just love how this mm-hmm. feels and looks and well, she was that- that end don't. bit is the best part of the movie. When we watched this, I don't think I'd seen it since I'd seen it in theaters in the seventies uh, and eighties. But I completely forgot about the whole, you know, uh, airplane, the the, mm-hmm. the uh, disappearing airplanes thing. Mm-hmm. I forgot about all the the Indian stuff, the uh, uh, the hand signals, all that. And it wasn't until like basically the only part of the movie I remember is Richard Dreyfus putting together. Mashed potato. potato versions. Yeah, okay, now that's funny you say powder. that because I only remembered him doing a giant mashed potato thing and forgotten that it, that was just a small version. So while we're watching the mashed potato scene, I'm like, oh, I thought that was bigger. And then soon I enough, it's too. like I, I could have swore I remembered the potato bigger because I was I was totally convinced. I'm like, big, yeah. why did Terry Gar make those many potatoes? Yeah, but it was just a normal amount of potatoes. Yeah, it was. All right, so Roy Neary goes up on the spaceship. He gets a little tour. They bring him back to Earth probably at some point, but he won't have aged because that's the way things work, apparently. Mm-hmm. Does he go back to his house and then just say, all right, I guess I've got to shovel all this mud out? Oh, assuming yeah. Oh, ever, my gosh. Yeah. Assuming that he comes back. I don't I don't know that we're. No, no, no. I'm we, worried about Terry Gar's got rights to the house. She's going to have to come back and deal with that. Oh, yeah. she's going to yeah. come back. Yeah, maybe he could send some of the little kid aliens to go there with a bunch of shovels and help her out a little bit. Yeah. Like he said twenty little troop of twenty of these things with shovels and Yeah, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought about that. Mary Maids. Here when he, alien Mary This Maids. is what happened. We I have exclusive audio. This is when uh his character leaves the ship. He's now spent some time with the aliens. They've fully anal probed him and he's come out and these are the first words out of his mouth. Oh no, that's not it. Shoot. That's great. <laughs> Wait a minute. That wasn't it. Gosh dang it. I ruined my own joke. Here it is. It's about Peter. All right. That doesn't work as well now that I've screwed it up. So well done, Scott. Good job. And now time for this. It's the film sack checklist. After a while, everything looks like a phallic mountain in Wyoming. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Check, rather. Terry Garr, still crush worthy in 2018. Check. What neighbor raises geese? It's more of a question, but check. The uh, nosy neighbor? Yeah, the nosy neighbor with her geese and her hair blower. So far away from her house, too. Yeah. Uh, Trek connections. We have a number of them. The Enterprise swinging around his train room. That was cool. And there was a Klingon yeah. ship as well. <laughs> and a Klingon ship, too. Yeah. <clears throat> Those are great. Uh, Terry Garr. She plays Ronnie Neary in TOS. She played Gary Seven's receptionist. Uh, Roberta Lincoln in the Assignment Earth was the episode. Ralph McQuarrie did conceptual art for this movie, and he was the conceptual artist for 1977's abandoned Star Trek Planet of the Apes. Sorry, Planet of the Titans project. And Voyage Home. He also did all that Star Wars stuff. Um, Mike Peed. Great name. It's literally P-E-E-D. Uh, Mike Peed. And then he did animation photography. He, uh, oh, he's not even having a connection. Daryl just put him in because no, he quote, has a funny name. name. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Daryl. You're great. <laughs> Gregory Jean was a chief model maker in, uh, start, I don't know what TMP is. What's TMP? Chief model maker. TMPs. Temp? Temp? Oh, the motion picture. Oh, Star, Star Trek, Trek, the, motion Trek the motion picture. You need to put an S in front of that. 
Anyway, constructed various interior scenes of V'ger, uh, stuff like that. And in TOS played a dude twice, and then in TNG played somebody once. Uh, that, oh. Space, am I right? Yeah, space. Right? Space, yeah. space is pretty great. I'd give it a soundtrack grade. I'd give it an A for awesome. I loved it. It's one of my favorite ones from John Williams. It was great. Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of like the time where everybody knew that this collaboration and the future of John Williams was going to be pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. So, and it will it will always remind me of Robin Williams, who was a very famous uh, stand up comedian at the time performing the score for this movie in the middle of his act at, like with just his mouth and it just makes me so happy that oh, that's, that a, sounds that's a memory cool. i don't even know about that that sounds yeah. great was that so this would have been around that era around that time mm. yeah hold on robin williams uh, close encounters close encounters <laughs> Ooh, if there's if there's video of that that would be really super cool uh here we go oh you know what it is it's all defaulting back to Robin, or it's even though wow. I typed Robin, it's all going John because it doesn't. Right. I can't or find Robbie it. Or Robbie Williams. Someone out there will find it. Oh my gosh, Robbie yeah. Williams. Who's that? Who's Robbie Williams? Help me now. He's a musician, UK musician. Oh yeah, right. He does, the uh, fa- uh, X Factor guy. He's one of the hosts on there. Right? Yes, he was a member of uh, Take That or one of one of the uh, British boy bands and kind of went off and did his own thing and was way more popular than the the British boy band that he left. And he's coming to Vegas for some reason. I guess people like him. Sure. Uh, sure let's not? get to sure, the sure. Twitter post. This is where you guys sum it up in 280 characters or less. Let's begin with Randy Jordan. Close encounters of the third kind. A pleasurable look at every aspect of humanity with admittedly repetitive music that seems to go on forever and ends with people standing around just quietly watching as you intimately join a group of strangers just like Saturday night at Ibbot's house. Ah, that's right. <laughs> Saturday night at Ibbot's If only there was a, if you if there was an emoji for Saturday night at Ibbot's house, you could use that and save characters. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I packed it in. I got it all in. It just it oh, took yeah. a, some editing to nice. get that in there. Someone talk to the the Unicode people and let's get that Ibbot emoji in there. Yeah. Let's make the Saturday night at Ibbot's house emoji. A minute. Uh or in it to win it. All right. We uh Brian Dunaway. Uh close encounters of the third kind. It's like Halloween for grown-ups. No. It's like driving while mapping. No. Mm. It's better than Goofy Golf. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Like better than Goofy Golf. <laughs> Probably. Thanks, <is>. Jimmy Dreyfus. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy Dreyfus. Nice. Uh, finally, Brian Ibbett. Uh All right. So I, I have a couple because I was afraid Randy was going to use uh, my first yeah, one. Randy. Okay. But here's here's yeah. my first one. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Did I ever tell you about the time I was a keyboardist for NASA? <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And just in case he used that one or did some form of that in his opening, my other one was... Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Hey, you like UFOs. I like UFOs. My wife doesn't like UFOs. Let's make out. Yeah, on this yeah. rock, on this <laughs> mountain. You know what? I forgot about the keyboard guy. He should not get short shrift here. They literally had a dude who could just play that over and over and very <laughs> exactly. fast. Yeah, Just a keyboardist for NASA. Like, uh, what, what do you do? Well, on the, ha- on, the, on the small chance that we ever need somebody who can play a Casio, mm. that's my job. Yep. That's what I do. Yep. And he's, I swear those, those keyboards back in the day could repeat stuff so i yeah. don't know why yeah, they didn't record. just do yeah. that just yeah, but he had that. to improvise a little bit like there were times when he had to kind of go off off chart he right? looked really nervous before they, too before they pushed the button that says uh let's put it on autopilot or let's yeah. put it on you know the computer's figured out their level of communication we'll just let it take over and here. he was so nervous and and like jittery and sweaty and then when the yeah. when the thing suddenly pulled forward he goes like barreling off the back of it 
Like that, that dude was that dude was in it to win it. It's great. It's great. Uh alternate titles. Oh, these were just handed to me. Uh this movie was almost called Mr. Holland's Mashed Potato Opus. That almost happened. It's crazy, right? And then uh this was this one that almost made it, but then they finally settled on close encounters of the third kind. It was almost near run-ins of the less than fourth kind. Uh-huh. <laughs> it just didn't roll off the tongue in the same Dude, way. No, no, not quite as ambiguous either. No, <laughs> turns out not. All right, I got an email from Andy who wrote in. Uh, these emails come to us at filmsack at gmail.com. You're encouraged to send them yourself, those who are listening to the show. Hey, Sackers, I just listened to the Young Guns episode. My parents were lax on movie ratings and allowed me to watch things on VHS at age nine. Uh, all I remember from that viewing was the crazy peyote scene and how awesome it was to be thrown out of a window in a chest. Also wanted to share my all-star cast. All right, so this is what he wants for a new version. Okay, the reboot. This is who who would be in the reboot. And it's really good, you guys. Like right. straight up Andy is on to something. I think the, 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 the lesson we're learning here is let, let your kids watch rated R stuff when they're kids because then they have great ideas when they're older. All yeah. right, here you go. Tom Holland. Perfect. Bring him in. Okay. Yeah. Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons should be in everything. Joe Keery. It's the kid. Mel Damon, you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Joe Keery from Stranger Things. I don't know which kid that is. Oh, that's a kid. Is it a kid? I don't know who that is. Um, I'm looking it up because I want to know. It's definitely not the kid missing the two front teeth. No, it's somebody else. I don't know who it is. Taylor Uh, Lautner. Who's Taylor Lautner? Help me with that. Taylor Lautner. No. Not nothing. Lautner. Okay, we're looking at that guy, Taylor Lautner. Oh, oh, him oh in that's a the bunch wolf. of stuff like Twilight. Oh, oh it's yeah, the wolf Twilight's. guy. No, I'm, I'm now I'm off the reservation with this guy. I don't. I don't <laughs> Joe Keery, by the way, Joe Keery, Stranger Things. He's the older kid who had the mullet, like the, oh, okay. the total like yeah, uh, all, he's douchebag kid. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's oh, okay. No, 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 that's a that'd fit. Yeah, all right. Yeah, like Nicholas Hout from he was Beast from X Men. You know, yeah, that's that's is I thought it was Hout. No, Holt. I always thought Holt, but. Sure, whatever. H o u l t. Probably you're probably right. It doesn't matter. The important thing is he was in uh, the greatest film ever made, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, <laughs> Will Poulter from the Maze Runner. So this is pretty good. He's yeah. seeing, he thinks Hugh Laurie would be great as Tungstall, and Terry O'Quinn could come back and replay Alex. Just my thoughts. Easily. Love the show. Keep Easily. on stacking. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andy. It's fine it suggestions. Uh, yeah, Taylor Lautner, Twilight. Right. I'd be into a Young Guns reboot. I really would, and I'd be fine if somebody did it. Maybe I'm just in the mood for that. Um, Buster Scruggs thing that came out last night. Oh, watch it tonight. So good. Oh yeah. Have you watched any of that tonight? I'll watch it. It's what and and a reminder for people. There are a lot of people still think this is a series. It's not. It's a movie. Movie. And it was supposed to be a mini series of like, you know, six episodes or something. And then the Coen brothers changed their mind for some reason and went just a single film. But what I'm hearing so far from people who know me, they think I'm going to eat this up. So I'm stoked Mm -hmm. to watch that tonight. Maybe next week I'll cool. tell you what I thought of it. Um, and then you all probably watch it, too. It's on Netflix and in theaters, so uh-huh. do what you want to do. Our next movie will be... 16 Candles. 16 Candles. Wow. Can you believe it? Is that our second John Hughes? Or third? How many John Hughes movies have we done? Third? Uh, uh, Breakfast Club. Uh, yeah. We've had one more, though, didn't we? Or did we... Why am I not? We didn't do planes. We're all rushing to filmsackstats.com. Yeah. I know. We haven't done uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, No. I think we turned it down because it's just too good. Yeah. Too hard to make fun of. Uh, Let's see. John Hughes. 
Well, yep. It we looks done? Like we haven't done a Home Alone. We've only done the Breakfast oh, Dutch. Club. Dutch. We didn't do Dutch. We didn't do Dutch. No, we wanted to do Dutch. We've only done the Breakfast Club. Have we not done Dutch? No, nope. no Dutch. Nope. Oh. We've done nothing with Al from Married with Children in it. God, I could have sworn. Oh, that was, I guess, a recommendal. Sometimes I overlap our recommendals and our film don't, sack films. Don't do that. I know. I won't. No, no more. No more will I do that. Actually, Film Sack Stats is behind. They've got the latest episode, Van Helsing. That was a while ago. Get on it. Like, oh. Let's do this thing for free that we love and that you just don't right. have any <laughs> reason to do. Go they go do it. Um all right. What uh what what is our genre for 16 Candles? Because I love that's the most interesting part of Film Sack Stats for me is mm. that we this is primarily do action genre. and sci-fi and thrillers mm-hmm. and adventures. Yeah. <laughs> don't wait. Did you just say it was the ring Coming of age <laughs> film. He called it yeah. the ring wall genre. Dramedy? Yeah, sure. Is it though? I don't know. Coming of age. Nah. Yeah. It's a defies description because John Hughes movies are kind of in their own hole, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what would you describe <laughs> Breakfast Club? What is what uh what category does Breakfast Club on film sex stouts stats fall into? Stouts. Stouts. Um John it's Hughes. It's gonna be my new brewery, uh right. stouts. It's the Hughes genre, dude. That's it. Yeah, right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I would remind people the greatest marriage of John Hughes style and Quentin Tarantino style is the 1997 fantastic film, uh, Gross Point Blank, which everyone should watch a thousand times over. It's in my top five movies of all time. You're going to get people drunk by mentioning um, Gross Point Blank and Mad Max Fury Road in the same episode of Film Set. Hey, look, they got... You know the, there's a drinking game. There yeah, has to be a drinking game. There has to be, two. and they and it's on, it's on them for their terrible life choice. It's on them. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's 401. We'll give you the 401 on 16 Candles this weekend. Now, here's the interesting bit. We're going to do it live on the Coverthon that Brian Ibbett runs every year, where he earns that's money right. for Alzheimer's research, which is a fantastic cause. And a good excuse for us to all get in there on a Friday and uh, and knock it out live. And uh, we'll put it up, of course, like it always is on a podcast. That doesn't change anything. We did this last year and I think the year before. So nothing right. new or strange. But uh, anything else you want to say about it, Brian? Yeah, I mean, you can find out more information by going to Coverville.com slash Coverthon. That's where I put all the, the info about it. Our bit, our film sec bit is going to be at uh, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So that's uh, noon on the East Coast and 9 a.m. on the West Coast. So it's awesome. the second hour of It is the, the second country. hour, exactly. So Tina and I get in there, we do our stuff, we talk about why we're doing this and, and get the ball rolling. I play a couple Millie Vanilli covers, a Steely Dan set, whatever, mm-hmm. and then uh, we roll right into Film Sack. Sounds great. So I'm I love looking your to examples it. of songs, man. That's right. <laughs> it's not only great. The only reason I yeah. think of Steely Dan is because they have a song. They do Black Friday, a song called Black Friday. Oh. It's, it's more about the Smart. the um, the the um, depression mm. deal. Less oh, about also, people oh. going getting up at three in the morning to buy microwaves at Best Buy. Yeah. Also, very good point that it is literally. Black Friday, meaning Thanksgiving the day yeah. before, and we at least well, in the U.S., we hope everyone has a fantastic Thanksgiving. We will not talk to you until after that, but uh, we hope you have a good one and you eat a lot of food and do nice things for other people and be thankful right. for things. Uh, that's next week. That's 401, and uh, we'll be uh, live, Coverville.com slash live. Yeah, yeah. We're going to – what are we What are we giving thanks for this week? I'm giving thanks for uh, mobile games because everybody loves them. Yeah, everyone yeah. has a phone, and uh, everyone loves Is mobile games. Is that snark? 
Yeah, it's a little. Is I, can, it, I sense a is little. Is there snark? snark? I sense a little. Just a is tiny it? bit. Just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. I can't imagine why you would bring that up. Yeah, and why you would talk about <laughs> weird. Uh, I'm thankful for. Um, uh, <laughs> and this is kind of related, but I have been I've been able to do nothing but slavishly want to play Diablo three since I got home from BlizzCon, wow. and I don't really have a good explanation for why, except for that still remains one of my favorite games of all time. And I just can come back to it when I'm feeling it. And right now I'm feeling it. And I can't, I, I'm running like multiple riffs a day and just cranking, cranking. I love that game. Hmm. So there's that. I'm thankful I'm gonna, for Diablo I'm, 3. I'm going to pander to the audience and say I'm thankful for our listeners who have listened to 400 Aww. episodes of this crap. Yeah, that's super sweet. Wow. Look how far we've come since Kroll, you guys. Yeah. I'm thankful for gravy. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for stuffing. I'm thankful for mashed potatoes. Yeah. No matter what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> what shape you form them in. They, yeah, they all sound good. It would good. be really cool uh, to hear from a listener or two or whoever who who have legit listened to all 400 episodes like now now like if you're if you're hearing me right now and you're like oh wow i've listened to all 400 episodes maybe shoot us an email because that yeah. would be cool yeah like we'd to love to hear that and i know there are a bunch of you i'm sure of it in fact i know one personally who's for sure in that category so if you guys are uh want to share your sort of lifetime achievement award here we'd love to pimp oh. you on the show yeah heck yeah that's great we'll do that next week all as well uh but you had to have watched all of these movies that's the other trick it can't oh, be just God. listen to us. That's you have to watch tough. every That's movie. Evil. Dude, I haven't even watched all these movies. Sometimes ah. I just look at Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you just come in here and fake it. I see. I see. Hey, it, if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking about going to watch Close Encounters, you're like, oh, this is going to be too hard. If you go to YouTube and look up movie clips, lots of times the top 10 clips from a lot of these movies we watch are right there and uh you can just get the highlights and we usually talk about the highlights as well as other yeah, the cliff notes if you're do lazy that, do that for young guns don't do that for close encounters of the no, third kind. Yeah, this right. is one you this is one that's worth seeing yeah, this one thing. is worth seeing and we tr- you know we try to we try to bring the heat whatever that means i don't even wow. know what that means we bring the funk we bring the funk and we bring the noise and the noise yeah heat funk and noise all three mm-hmm. together at last all three uh speaking of all three uh of you and me that's four of us uh, we'll be back next week with another Film Sack. Of course, filmsack.com is our website. Film Sack on Twitter if you want to find us there. You can also email us, filmsack at gmail.com. Uh, like Andy did, and like all of you should. Also, leave us reviews wherever you get your podcasts. Google Play, iTunes, or I guess it's Apple Podcasts now. Uh, wherever, Spotify. Review those things. Let us know what you think. And yeah, you heard me. Spotify has all the shows, so that includes Film Sack. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Brian, for Brian, and for Randy. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> All right. That worked out good. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Like a taco? <laughs> <laughs>